Good morning. Today's reading is from Daniel 6, and I'm going to read that now. Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdoms, stationed throughout the realm, and over, th- uh, and over them three administrators, including Daniel. These satraps would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded. Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set him over the whole realm. The administrators and satraps, therefore, kept trying to find charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom. But they could find no charge or corruption, for he was trustworthy and no negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said, We will never find any charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went together to the king and said to him, May King Darius live forever. All the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps and the advisors and the governors, they have all agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict. For 30 days, anyone who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, your majesty, establish an edict and sign the documents so that as the law of the Medes and the Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. King Darius signed the written edict. When Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house. The windows in its upstairs room were opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. So they approached the king and asked about his edict. Didn't you sign an edict that for 30 days any person who petitioned any god or man except you, the king, would be thrown into a lion's den? The king answered, As the law of the Medes and the Persians, the order stands and is irrevocable. Then they replied to the king, Daniel, one of the Judean exiles, has ignored you, the king, and the edict you signed, and he prays three times a day. As soon as the king heard this, he was very displeased, and he set his mind on rescuing Daniel, and made every effort until Suntown to deliver him. Then these men went together to the king and said to him, Your majesty, you know that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no edict or ordinance the king establishes can be changed. So the king gave the order. And they bound Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your, may your God, whom you continually serve, rescue you. A stone was brought. And placed over the mouth of the den, the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that nothing in regards to Daniel could be changed. Then the king went to his palace, and he spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up, and he hurried to the lion's den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God! Has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke with the king. May the king live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the lions' mouths. They haven't harmed me, for I was found innocent before him. And also before you, your majesty, I have done no harm. The king was overjoyed, and he gave an order to take Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was brought up from the den, 
he was found to be unharmed, for he trusted in his God. The king then gave the command, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den, they, their children, and their wives. They had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to those of every people, nation, and language who lived in the whole earth, May your prosperity abound. I issue a decree that in all my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth, for he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and during the reign of Cyrus of Persia. As we read a story like this, we need to remember what God says in the, in the scriptures about human history. When Paul speaks to the wise men in Athens, he tells them that God is the one who appoints the times and places that nations rise and fall. He determines their borders, he determines their boundaries, and he determines the time that any kingdom is going to start and end. God is in charge of history. He's sovereign over it. And so the same God who ruled over this Persian empire is the God who rules over America, the God who rules in our lives today. And he's in charge, and he's directing history to his appointed ends. Something else the scriptures say is that these things that we're reading are written down for our encouragement, for our instruction, so that in the scriptures and in seeing what God has done in the past, we can understand our own times and, and receive from God patience and hope. And today we need hope. We need patience. We need courage. And so as we look at the story of Daniel, this is what God wants us to understand and draw out from it. I think there are four key things that we can learn from this story that are relevant for us today. The first, God knows how to put his people in positions of power and influence. The second is that God's people, who he puts in power and influence, have always had and will always have enemies who persecute them. The third is that God has given us a mighty weapon to fight our enemies, and that weapon is our worship. Worship is our warfare. And the fourth is that when we worship God rightly, when we believe him loyally, we obey him, he fights for us, and he accomplishes his plans through us. So let's look at this story again with the eyes of faith and see what God is teaching us uh, today. The first is that God knows how to put his people in positions of power and influence. We see when we look at the story that God is doing a lot through the nation of Persia. Since he's the one who decided to create Persia, and he determined how long Persia was going to be around, God is going to use Persia in human history in a big way. First of all, God determined that Persia would exist for 228 years. God is the one who decided when Persia would begin, after defeating the Babylonians, and God is the one who decided when Persia was going to end, losing the battle of Galgamela against Alexander the Great. God also decided that through Persia, he would unify the known world. That he would create a foundation of one culture and one law that the Greeks would build on and the Romans would perfect. And then, in the fullness of time, he would send his son Jesus into the Roman world, where roads stretched from Great Britain down to Africa, across the Middle East into India, and up through all of Europe, so that the gospel of Jesus Christ could ring out across the world. But God used Persia as a foundation for that future day. Something else God did through Persia was he saved his people. 
His people were scattered throughout the Persian Empire. They were taken into captivity by the Assyrians and by the Babylonians. And when the Persians defeated them, all of the people of Israel lived in that Persian Empire. And so God was protecting them through the kings and through the people that he appointed in the history of Persia. God used Persia to rebuild Jerusalem and the walls of the city, to rebuild the temple. And at that city, 500 years later, God would send his son, the Lamb of God, to take away the sins of the world. All of this was in God's design for Persia before the creation of the world. Daniel didn't know it. Darius didn't know it. Nobody knew it. But we, given eyes of faith, looking back, can see God's designs. And so one of the ways God's going to do this is he's going to establish Persia as a more just nation. He's going to clean house. He's going to get rid of the, get rid of the wicked and the corrupt and the cowardly and the compromising. He's going to wash them away so that Persia will be ruled according to more just and righteous standards. And he's going to do that through his servant, Daniel. But Daniel is going to have to suffer. He's going to have to die. He's going to have to be resurrected. And in his metaphorical, symbolic resurrection from the lion's den, Daniel's life brings salvation and protection and justice to millions. This is all in God's plan. But the character at the central part of the story, Daniel, he doesn't know this. What he knows is what God commands. And he fears the Lord and not men. And he obeys God and not men. And that is how he is enabled to play his part in this story. And his obedient faith, his worship, is the means by which God conquers and destroys these lions and cleanses this nation of its wicked rulers. It's a great story, looking back with eyes of faith. And so you should be encouraged as well. God knows how to put his people in powerful positions. In our world today, in America, we see the centers of power and culture, and they look incredibly corrupt. We look at Silicon Valley, who is... uh, uh, censoring and shutting down free speech. We look at Hollywood, which is Hollywood, which is producing just coarse, disgusting, uh, immoral art. We look at Washington, D.C. and the corrupt laws that are locking down our country, removing our ability to worship, debasing our currency, debasing our citizenship. We see the corruption of the FBI, the corruption of the CDC. We look at the news media. It's all lies and lies and more lies. We look at the university system and Wall Street and when you look around at our country, it'd be easy to think, this is, it's all lost. America's over. It's done. But that's not true. Because we see in Daniel, in Persia, in this wicked empire ruled by lions, wicked, corrupt lions, we see the same thing. And yet, after this story, God has purified that country. He has cleansed them of these wicked rulers. He has exalted his servant Daniel to the highest place, to the prince of Persia. He's brought salvation to his people. He's laid a foundation for the day when his son will come into the world. But all of that, all of that you don't see unless you look at it with eyes of faith. And so today, remember, all across this country, God has placed his people, you and I, in positions of power and influence. And he knows how to put us all around these places I just listed off. And if we'll be faithful, if we'll fear him, if we'll worship him rightly, if we'll not give in to men, then God will use us, as he used Daniel, to bring salvation and justice and stability and good things to not just us and our family and not just him and his people, but all the people around. Remember, the promise to Abraham was, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And when we fear the God of Abraham and obey him as Abraham did, then all those who live around us are blessed. So God knows how to put his people in powerful positions and places. Don't give in to despair. Don't give in to pessimism. Those things are lies. 
They're heresies. They make you doubt the sovereignty and providence and power and wisdom of God. The scripture doesn't teach that all is lost. The scripture doesn't teach us to adopt a pessimistic spirit. The scriptures say have hope because God is in control. The second point is that, yes, God is in control. And yes, he can put his people in positions of power and influence. But those people are always going to face enemies and opposition. And that's what we're facing. God's people will face persecution at the hands of their enemies. And we're seeing that today in the church. Churches are being closed. We're we're being told that we can't worship God through singing. Uh, Things that are immoral and ungodly are being promoted. They're being celebrated. They're being imposed through law on us and our children in the schools. We're seeing all sorts of attacks against God and his faithful people, just like we saw in Daniel. These wicked people, they came together in a cabal, a cabal of the crafty and the corrupt and the cowardly and the compromisers. And that's always what you see. There's always some combination of these these people that are attacking God and his people. It's always the crafty who are controlling the corrupt and the corrupt who want power and pleasure and positions and possession. And they're more than willing to do underhanded things to get it. And these two intimidate the cowardly. People in positions of authority like King Darius, who was intimidated by these people. They manipulate, maneuver, they threaten, and the cowardly stay quiet, they get out of the way. And the, the, the destruction keeps coming. And then they're joined in with the compromising. The people who want peace, peace, peace at all price. People who have soft heads and hard hearts and are more than willing to criticize the wise, the intelligent, who see the danger coming and are speaking out. And that's what you see happening today. You're saying every time you say, wait a minute, I don't think that we should lock down the country for a disease that has a 99% survival rate for those who get it. I don't think we should believe these people who have been lying to us about politics and economics and about uh, medicine. I don't think that we should just simply go along with the stripping of our liberties and, and, and the, the removal of our God-given rights. And when you say these kinds of things, you're labeled, you're attacked, you're slandered, but not by the crafty. No, no, they're, they're in the shadows. They're working the scheme. And, and not by the corrupt. It's the cowardly who are ashamed of their cowardice, who are trying to shut you down. And it's the compromisers who just want everybody to get along. And you need to understand that this is always the case for God's people. And you need to be willing to speak up, to be respectful, but to speak out and refuse to participate in what God's word clearly forbids. So the enemies of God's people are revealing themselves in this story. And God knows this is going to happen. That's why he raises up Daniel. They hated Daniel because Daniel was incorruptible. And these men were corruptible. And they wanted to steal and they wanted to pillage. They wanted to devour the Persian Empire, as lions. And Daniel wouldn't have tolerated it. And by making Daniel the supreme uh, uh, official, by making him the super president, he would have cleaned house. So they had to get rid of him. So they set their scheme in motion. And what was their plan? Make worship of God illegal. Make it illegal to worship God and make it a requirement to do what is a sin against God. As soon as you make a law that requires people to sin against God, or forbids them from worshiping God, then you can get God's people in your hands. Or at least that's what these men think. So teach your kids we're going to have enemies. Teach them to see these enemies for what they are. Help them to recognize their strategies and and schemes. Get ahead of it. Get prepared. Because uh, the Lord Jesus didn't tell us not to have enemies. He said, pray for your enemies, which assumes that you're going to have them. He had enemies. They persecuted him, and they're going to persecute us. So we need to know that this is a reality we're living in. But we still trust that God is going to work through us good.
So these wicked men come to the king and they say, oh, king, live forever. All of the satraps and all of the governors and all of the king's horses and all the king's men. We've all done a poll. And the poll says studies have shown the science says the market demands. Everybody agrees. You got to pass this law. That's what they do. They pressure. They manipulate. They lie. They try to act like they're the supermajority, And they push this king into doing something stupid. Now, this king's afraid. If everyone in my kingdom, if all of my leaders are for this and I say no, they'll kill me. And that's that's actually a legitimate fear he had. He was a usurper. King Darius killed the previous king, him and seven men. And the way that he got the throne from the other men was underhanded. So he lives in a kingdom of lions and he is basically a captive to these men. That's why they had to put their signet ring on the tomb, on the stone that was rolled over uh, Daniel's lion's den just like the king, because they, they essentially controlled him and they were manipulating him. There are a lot of people in positions of power who don't want to do stupid things. They don't want to do bad things, but they're afraid. They're afraid that if they stand up for what's right and just, if they maintain their integrity, well, then they're going to lose. And we have to help them. We have to pray for them. We have to encourage them. We have to support them. So these enemies that Daniel is facing, how does he fight them? How do we fight our enemies? Well, According to the scriptures, our warfare is through worship. Second Corinthians uh, 10 says that the weapons of our warfare, they're not physical weapons of flesh and blood. They're not spears and swords and guns. We're not revolutionaries. But our weapons are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. When we come before God in worship, when we worship our thrice holy God rightly every Sunday, gather together in our homes, in our prayer and praise, in our offerings and in our obedience, when we come before God in right worship, Our God in heaven fights for us on earth. We tear down strongholds. We push back the darkness. We overcome our enemies because our Lord fights for us when we worship him. That's what you see happening with Daniel. It says that when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, what did he do? Did he flee? Did he run away? Did he bust into the king's presence? Did he take some of the men who were loyal to him and go kill the satraps and kill the king the way that the king had killed the previous king? No. Daniel knew that the weapons he had were far more powerful than swords and spears. He went up to his house and he prayed. That was his warfare. It says here that he went to his house where he had windows open to to Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. And then when the men came to catch him, because they knew he wasn't going to obey the law, these men went up as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring God. Daniel's warfare was worship. And that is our worship, too. We see this all through the Bible. Abraham, the father of our faith, went all around the land of Canaan building altars, worshiping the living God. But he wasn't just worshiping God at that time. He was doing spiritual bombing runs for the future generations who would be brought out of Egypt into Canaan, where they would conquer the Lord's enemies. In every one of these places where he built these altars, that's where major battles happened 500 years later under Joshua and the Israelites. In fact, the first city that Joshua led the Israelites to fight against was Jericho. Huge walls. How did God defeat Jericho? How did they fight the Jericho people? They fought them with worship. They marched around the walls of Jericho seven times, seven days. And on the seventh day, when they worshiped and praised God, they were singing and praising God. The walls came crashing down and they defeated their enemies. Worship was their warfare. Several hundred years later, King Hezekiah, who was in Jerusalem, was attacked by the king of Assyria, Sennacherib. And he came with his armies and his hordes, and he cursed our God, and he blasphemed our God, and he said, no God can resist me, nobody can stop me, nobody can stand up to me, you better open those gates. And Hezekiah the king, what did he do? 
he and all the people of Jerusalem prayed and fasted and they cried out to their God and they worshiped the living God in heaven who heard and fought for them on earth. And our God killed 185,000 Assyrians that night. The king, humiliated, went back home to his temple where his sons murdered him. He got what he deserved. God knows how to protect the righteous and God knows how to defeat the wicked. Our job is to worship him rightly. So how do we do that? We do it through our prayers and we do it through our obedience. It says in 1 Timothy 2.11, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 2.1, Paul tells the church there, Therefore I exalt you, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. These four types of prayer are exactly what you see in Daniel. In fact, I'm convinced that Paul was looking back at Daniel as the model for us as God's people. We are to be on our knees, praying, interceding, pleading, begging God to work in our lives, praying for the leaders and those people in influence in every area of our city and our lives, principals and bosses and government officials and leaders of every stripe. We should be asking God who we We have a personal relationship with the king of kings. We can come into his presence and on behalf of the president and the governor and the police officers and the teachers and the school board and the guy that runs the rouse. On behalf of these people, we plead to God that he would give them wisdom, that he would help them have courage to not cave to the crafty, that that God would give them uh, the ability to see what's wise and good. We pray that God would remove the wicked and replace them with people like Daniel. And we thank God. We thank God for the good that he's doing through those who are in power and influence. It says that Daniel was thanking God on his knees. And Paul says that we're supposed to thank God for those in power. Because despite what you think about Governor Newsom or Joe Biden or Donald Trump, despite what you think about the principal at your kid's school or the cops or whatever, God is restraining evil and doing good through them. There is good that God is doing through them, and we should thank God for it. That's how we worship him rightly. And as we pray for these people, God hears in heaven and he will help them. Pray for the Christians that God has placed all over our country in positions of power and influence. Pray that they have an excellent spirit like Daniel. That God gives them courage to speak out and do what is right and not cave like Daniel. And if they do, like Daniel, God will do what he did. He will use those men to purify their city, purify their business, purify their school, purify the government. He will use them to bring life and salvation and justice, and peace to our land. But if we're afraid and we compromise in fear, then we won't be used by God to do that. We'll be one of the cowardly. We'll be a part of the cabal of the, of the you know, cowardly and the corrupt and the crafty and the compromised. Remember, one of the sins that consigns men to the fires of hell in Revelation 21 is the sin of cowardice. We are called to be brave. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Be strong and courageous. And so we had to pray for the people in our lives. Are you praying for them? Are you on your knees as a priest? That's what you are, a nation of priests, asking God for for help, for, for him to fight for us as Daniel did. The second thing we do as our form of worship is obedience. We obey God and not men. We have to be willing to draw a line, and that line is God's word. There are all sorts of gray areas. Daniel did a lot of things that he didn't like. They gave him a a, a Babylonian name, which was named after their pagan gods. They probably made him a eunuch, castrating him, taking away his ability to have a family. They put him into their pagan schools to teach them all their dark arts 
and all their magic and witchcraft. They made him an official in a government that was ruled over by a wicked king that was devoted to, you know, demon gods. There's all sorts of things that Daniel put up with because they did not command him to disobey God's law. And today in our country, there's all sorts of things that we're being ordered to do that do not directly violate God's law. But there's a red line that Daniel would not cross. And that was when they commanded him to disobey God, when they forbid him from worshiping God. And that's what we also have to be very clear on. What is your red line? And your red line is the scriptures. If you're in a position of authority, you need to be thinking through not only your own life, but those who are under you and in your care. You need to be looking ahead at where the threat is coming from, where we're going to be attacked most, so that your people, your family, your kids, your wife, your business, the church, the people in your community can be prepared for what's coming and can be ready to respond in faith. Now, as I see it, there are two big areas where we're under attack. The first is in the realm of the God-ordained functions and limits of the state. Think about government mandates and lockdowns, debasing the value of the currency and citizenship. Think about corrupt laws, a state that keeps trying to usurp the authority of the family, of the individual, of the church. Those who hate God love it when the state becomes unleashed, ultimately powerful, because then they're able, through the power of the state, to forcibly coerce people into obedience, to make them slaves. The second place the attack is hottest, where we're being attacked and God's being attacked, God's words being attacked the most, is in God's design for marriage and family. Think of the celebration, the legalization, and the imposition of sexual immorality in all of its forms. The murder of babies through abortion. And this new pansexual priesthood that is constantly teaching doctrines that pervert God's design for marriage, family, being a man and a woman. And it's happening in schools, it's happening in businesses, it's happening in entertainment, and even in some churches. These are two places where we're being attacked the most. And you need to know what God's word says in these places so that you can be faithful and fear him and not men. God will teach you. And if you're a husband or you're a parent or you're a leader in some capacity and you don't quite know what to do, ask your pastors and elders. We're here together as a church to help and equip you to face the lions that are coming for you so that you'll know how to trust God and obey him. And if you do, God will do for you what he did for Daniel. So obedience and prayer is our warfare. It's our form of worship. Now, the last point is that when we obediently fear God and worship him rightly, and he fights for us, God and his people accomplish his plans. That's what happens. That's what you see happening with Daniel. Daniel continued to pray to God and disobeyed the law. They came and they arrested him. They threw him in the lion's den, even though the king didn't want to do it. Even though the king loved Daniel, he was his best employee. There was nothing the king could do. He had been played. And they lowered him into the lion's den, and the king prayed, God, may your God, who, who you pray continually to, may he save you. And then they closed that stone over it. It was like a death, like when Christ was buried in the tomb. It was a form of death going down into the grave, so to speak, into the lion's den. But then, what does it say? Because Daniel was faithful and he trusted his God, God sent his angels to fight for him. And the angel of the Lord closed the mouth of the lion. And the next morning, the king got up and he ran, which is not very kingly, to the tomb, to the lion's den. He had the stone removed and he cried out, Daniel, Daniel, are you alive? Did your God save you? And Daniel said, may the king live forever. No malice, no contempt, no anger on Daniel's voice. I was found blameless. I never did anything against you. My God saved me. So he raised Daniel out of the lion's den, a kind of resurrection. 
And when Daniel came out of the lion's den, the king was so overjoyed and he was so angry at these wicked men who had played them. He ordered all of them, all those wicked satraps, all of their wives and children, all of their households to be gathered together and thrown into the lion's den where they were all killed, wiped from the face of the earth. And in one fell swoop, God purified Persia. God pushed back the darkness. God cleaned house in one day. But it wouldn't have happened if Daniel wasn't faithful. If Daniel wasn't willing to die and trust God to resurrect him, if Daniel wasn't willing to go in the lion's den, then all the people of Persia would have stayed in the lion's den. They were in a lion's den. These wicked men were the lions, and they were devouring Persia and devouring the king, and they would continue to devour unless someone killed them, someone fought them. And it was our God who fought them on behalf of his faithful servant Daniel. And it was Daniel's job to worship and be obedient to God's law. And yes, Daniel did go into a lion's den, and God didn't save him. And Daniel was accused, and God didn't stop it. And he spent the night in a lion's den, and God didn't stop it. But he put his angel there. His angel, one angel, fought for him. And when he came out of the grave, when he came out of the lion's den, his resurrection, so to speak, meant salvation, not only for God's people, who were also ordered to not worship him, who would have also been thrown in a lion's den if other faithful Jews in Persia didn't obey that law. So all of God's people were saved through Daniel, but not just them. The entire Persian Empire had justice because all those dead officials, all those 120 satraps, were all replaced by Daniel, who is now the super president in charge of all of Persia's government. And you know Daniel picked good, faithful men and women of integrity, right? Of course he did. And this was all in God's plan. But Daniel had to play his part. And his part was to know the law of God, obey the law of God, trust the law of God. And when the enemies attacked him, he fought back with his worship. He fought back with his obedience. He fought back with his praise of the triune God. And just like the Lord Jesus, who went down into the grave and rose again three days later, bringing salvation to the world, Daniel was sent down into the lion's den and rose again, bringing salvation to Persia. In your job, in your family, in our city, in this country, in your school, in your police force, wherever you are, you're Daniel. And if you obey God, even though they tell you you can't worship him, even though they tell you that you have to celebrate ungodliness, even though they say all of these horrible things about you, if you worship him and obey him and you do not cave, if you speak up, if you appeal, if you work for what is righteous and good, if you're like Daniel and you do good work, no neglect, no corruption. You're the best employee your boss has. You're the best student your teacher has. You're the best athlete your coach has. You're the best neighbor your neighbors have. You're the best citizen your city has. You're the best in each class, like Daniel. And they can't find any criticism of you. If you're faithful, then you're going to go to the lion's den. And then you're going to rise out. And when you do, salvation and justice and purification come with you. It's it's glorious. It just makes me want to cry. <laughs> it's amazing. You see that? That's what God's doing. So what is our next step? Take out the connection card, if you will. Here are three next steps. Petition God for those with power and influence at each meal this week. Gather your children around. Gather those who live with you around. And each meal this week, pray, petition, plead, thanks, God. For those people in power and authority, for, for God's people scattered around and for people who are just in power and authority, pray for them. Pray for them and ask God to fight for us 
to hold back the wrath, to give people courage, to strike down the crafty, to deliver us as he did Daniel. The second thing is where are you or those under or over you being tempted to fear men and compromise? How can you influence them for Christ? Where are you being tempted to compromise? Where are those under you or over you being tempted to compromise? It's happening all over now. How can you strengthen them? How can you be a help to them? And what will you do to obey God? Number three, commit yourself and your whole household to worshiping the living God rightly according to his word. Where is your worship getting flabby? Are you forsaking Sundays? Are you not gathering with the congregation of God's people where his word is preached, where we collectively praise him and offer our, 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 our gifts and offerings to him? Come join us again. Come to church regularly, especially if you're the head of a household. Set the example for your children. Show them how important the worship of the living God on the Lord's day is to you. And that blessing will flow down to your kids. Where are you not being obedient? Where are you being tempted to fear? Where has the worship gotten flabby? Repent and worship. Commit yourself fully to the triune God and worshiping him. These things are glorious. And at the end of the story, we see that King Darius orders everyone in his kingdom to worship the God of Daniel. For he delivers. He saves. His dominion has no end. His rule can't be stopped. And the last line, and Daniel prospered. In the reign of King Darius and King Cyrus, may you prosper as you fear God and obey him, come what may. As you fight the lions that are coming to devour you and those around you with your faith, as you fight them with your worship and your obedience and your faith, your Lord will fight for you. He will defeat them. He will kill the lions. He will crush the snakes. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your goodness. We ask that you would apply this word to our hearts where we need to help us understand what we need to understand so we can do what you want us to do. Please show us, Lord God, how we can play our part in the story that you're unfolding in our nation's history. Lord God, please bless and strengthen and give discernment to and justice to and righteous to all those who are in authority, all those in powers of influence. Lord God, please give faith and courage to your faithful servants that you've scattered all over this country. Lord God, defeat our enemies, overcome them, destroy them, beat them back. And Lord God, help us to worship you with our whole heart. And Lord, use our lives to fulfill your purposes as you have done in history, as you do in heaven. Please do on earth. In Jesus' name, amen.